Welcome to I Bet So Hard, technology and workflows that really work. The not so serious podcast for seriously busy veterinary teams brought to you by vet to pet Listen for quick, fun interviews with veterinary professionals who've retrieved and actually held on to their sanity, happiness, and success by learning a few new tricks and embracing efficient processes that actually work. I'm Dr. Stacey Santi. And I'm Dr. Caitlin DeWild. And this is I Bet So Hard. Hey guys, I'm really excited to bring to you a new guest today. I had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Shadi Arefage recently from Vet Triage, and I was so impressed with what he had to offer. I had to have him be a guest. Not only does he have an amazing technology platform aimed to help veterinarians, but he is also a veterinarian, which is my favorite. Uh, Caitlin and I love when we find veterinarians making amazing changes for the profession. Yeah, we obviously love to find veterinarians who are as nerdy as technology as we are and double whammy if they have a really great purpose and goal behind their work. So without further ado, Dr. Shadi, tell the group about yourself and kind of how you got your idea for vet triage. Thank you very much for having me on. This is an absolute honor. Uh, my name is Dr. Shadi Arefage. I'm a board-certified veterinary surgeon. I graduated from Cornell University in 2006. I went through my first-year internship at Angel in uh, Boston, then did two surgical internships, followed by a surgical residency at Long Island Veterinary Specialist, became a board-certified veterinary surgeon. Since then, went off my own with various surgical accomplishments from there, working around the country, and then finally launched Vet Triage at the end of 2019. The premise behind vet triage was actually fairly simple. Uh, I had begun working on this project maybe seven or eight years prior. I noticed that in the ER specialty world, the front desk staff would handle hundreds of phone calls every 24 hours of clients asking, is this an emergency or not? Do I have to come in? Should I be worried? And we all know that over the phone, they can't give that sort of medical advice. They're not medically trained. And the only our only answer really for decades was, if you're concerned, come in. If you're concerned, come in. So I thought, boy, that's fairly lame. We can do better than that. And not knowing it was called telemedicine, I thought, you know, what if you create a whole business model around that concept, give folks access to veterinarians without having to come in to answer that very question. That started off the um, chase, both legally to figure out what we can do on ethical grounds, as well as technologically to figure out how we create our own video platform to, to make this move forward. And because we're veterinary owned, and I've worked at every facet of the veterinary field, GP, ER, specialty, rescue, um, and managed departments, owned hospitals, did all that stuff. I figured, you know, we can, we, can, we can do this and have the veterinary culture in mind. And so that's from that vet triage was, was born. We had no idea the pandemic was a few months away after launch. Um, whether that helped us or hurt us, I'm not sure. But telemedicine has become a common commonplace name now in uh in households. So yeah, so you you launched this before the pandemic. So you were already totally open to shaking up the workflow and uh making people think of different ways to be more efficient and not hate their job, is what you're saying. <laughs> Anybody who's been in this profession long enough knows that we for some reason, well, for many reasons actually, we become quite complacent. Our, our regulations are somewhat antiquated. The folks running the show on medical boards and organizations are fairly antiquated. We need new blood. 
Um, and then when you look at generational changes, you know, the Gen X, millennial, then Gen Z, that has to be accounted for as well. And then, of course, you have access to care issues or countless cultural problems. So all of that has to be dealt with. And we've been doing the same old crap for decades, running the profession to the ground. The pandemic certainly did accelerate that degeneration, um, but it was going to happen anyway. And I saw that before as an intern. I saw that, that the cultural toxicity that was rampant throughout these institutions. So this gives us an opportunity to try and fix those things and increase access to care simultaneously. So why do you think the culture is so shitty in practice? There's many reasons for it. And you can divide it up into probably the veterinarian's fault and then pet owner's fault. Um, on the veterinary side of things, you have fairly obvious issues. The, um, the wages that LVTs and assistants and receptions receive, they're very long, strenuous work hours, working hours after their shift ends, skipping lunch breaks, never going on vacation, feeling bad about calling out sick right, et cetera. Then you have veterinarians who inherently are managers, although we're not trained that way. Some are inherently good at it. Most are not. It's not, it's not intuitive. So we're not really trained to be business owners, managers. So you have that aspect to it. We tend to hire management staff, like HR staff, for example, or management of kennel help or technicians by just promoting people who are already there, as opposed to hiring people from the outside that have actual degrees in this. Those are some examples mm -hmm. of that. Then, of course, what suffers from there is your staff suffers, the quality to uh, care suffers, and it's not sustainable. And you end up getting turnover, um, suicides, all the ugly stuff that we're seeing. On the client side of things, and this ties into social media, it, it, it appears to be that there is a lot more of the helicopter parent when it comes to pets going, that's much more of a commonplace aspect to it. You have social media. So it gives clients the, the avenue, the tool to be able to shit on that practice where things did not go well, or it was too expensive for them. And so they view the hospitals being money hungry. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and that aspect to it is what happens when you combine health with a service industry, right? You can't just focus on the medicine because you have a service industry as well. And so those clients expect not only perfect medicine, which doesn't always happen, but they also expect an elite amount of service, which is like, boy, you're not a hotel, it's a hospital. And so trying to marry those two worlds can be done. Many have done it successfully, but it's very, very difficult. And sometimes you sacrifice the culture for that. So that's just a sampling of what we could go into with regards to why the culture is so poor. And then and that's just on that aspect. You can also attack the academia too. And say, well, how are they contributing to this bad culture? Because they are, maybe unknowingly, but they're also contributing to this. So there's that, there's, there's even before pre-vet, there's issues there as well. I think, I think you're describing what I call the intersection of like heart and commerce. Like we play in this area. It's so dangerous. Like it's we're day in, day out in this area, this arena, if you will. And I think when we employ adopt technology solutions we can at least take some load off is that kind of how you got your idea if you take the load off of the veterinary staff you mean like the yeah workload? you make the workload more manageable and you give different people options 
versus right now, when we don't use technology, the only option is to call or walk in. Those are the tried and true options. But what about some new options so we can, you know, diversify our portfolio a little bit here and not try to be the end all solution for every single pet owner in our community? Exactly. And so imagine a world where you have a finite amount of appointment slots as a general practitioner. Let's just say 10 slots open. Of those 10 slots, how many of them are going to be actually sick pets? Of those sick pets, how many of those pet owners are actually going to invest money in testing and treatment, right? Your gold standard plan, right? When you look at that distribution, you can see why veterinary clinics want to fit as much to the door as possible because no single appointment is a guarantee. Sick pet, diagnostics, treatment, and you get paid for all of that as a veterinary clinic, right? They may say no to everything or the pet isn't really that sick or what have you. So imagine a world where you can actually, let's call it triage, those cases prior to making those appointments. So those ones that are either innocuous conditions at home or just basic owner, pet owner questions, things that can be band-aided or even treated at home, stay out of the hospital, don't take up that appointment slot, save those appointment slots for animals that are actually sick, who need to be seen with pet owners who are actually going to invest finances into that, that appointment. Now the veterinarian has 10 appointments that are guaranteed to be pets that are worthy of your, of your evaluation. I don't mean worthy in the sense of animals are worth less or more. I mean, those that are actually ill, that are worthy of the doctor's time and effort and the parent taking time off of work and driving and schlepping the kids over, putting the cat in the cat carrier, right? They're actually sick animals. And that pet parent knows I'm ready to sign off and spend X number of dollars on the examination, blood work, x-rays, treatment, whatever, right? Then you have 10 slots for that general practitioner in this example that are actually financially make sense. And you can keep the lights on at the facility, pay your employees, and then have everybody leave hopefully on time because you can plan out your day now knowing this. That, that's just one simple solution where you can incorporate technology off campus, let's say out of the hospital, to then fill up your appointments, which will be filled up regardless. There's no shortage of, of, of animals that need help with those types of cases. You know, um, a growth on, on pests that are not really changing that much, a broken toenail, a mild allergic reaction, one bout of vomiting, one bout of diarrhea, mild lethargy, maybe some excessive panting today. I can go on and on with examples of cases that we see on vet triage that should not enter the, the, the brick and mortar. Yeah. It just shouldn't. Or at least not at that moment. They can make an appointment for days, weeks, or months from now then. How does the platform work from the pet owner side? So walk me through that. I'm a pet owner. I got a question. I've called my clinic and they've told me, we'll see you, you know, in eight to nine days. We're booked out. But my dog is, let's just say, had a bout of diarrhea. What, what do I do? How do I engage with vet triage at this point? The pet parent will either access vettriage.com, follow the instructions from there, or they'll go through their um, veterinary hospital, veterinary clinic, academic site, rescue organization through a landing page that we custom built for that clinic or for that rescue or for that academic institution. They'll go to vet triage that way. They will create an account. The account is also very simple. Name, email, phone number. Phone number, phone number is meant for technical support in case there's a Wi-Fi problem or your device battery dies or whatever it is. And the email, so we can send them a summary of the advice given. 
We don't ask for species, what your concerns are, nothing. We want this to be a quick process, triage. We don't know if that pet on the other side of the screen has an actual life-threatening emergency that's time-sensitive or not. We don't know. We want to make this a very quick and painless process for that concerned pet owner, three in the morning, they're concerned, right? So they felt the uh, information, create the account, pay $50, credit, debit, PayPal, whatever works for them. They're on with the veterinarian. That account creation, creating process takes less than a minute. Our average wait time to meet with the veterinarian is about a minute and a half to two minutes. Wow. And if we need, if the time start climbing up, we get more veterinarians on. I have no shortage of veterinarians who are happy and willing to serve. We then the session will occur on a video live. The veterinarian can take medical notes while talking to the pet owner, while looking at their pet. Okay, turn fluffy that way. Let me look at the belly, push on the spine, show me the gums. Maybe you can get really fancy, get me a thermometer. Let's check a temperature. Perhaps some of the clients are medically trained. Let's get your stethoscope out. Let's listen to the heart. Is there arrhythmia? Is there, what's the heart rate, et cetera. Finish all that. Give them the peace of mind that they're looking for. At the end of the session, email the pet parent the summary of the advice given. And if they do have a family veterinarian, email that veterinary clinic as well, those medical records, and then move on to the next case. Okay. Our average time to spend with the pet parent is 12 minutes. That's just, that's on average. Some take a few seconds because it's obviously an emergency. We can move quickly. Others take 30, 40 minutes because it's a more in-depth discussion. But average time is about 12 minutes they're spending with the pet parent, not being rushed at all to get off the video, take your time with our doctor. Mm-hmm. And that's how it operates. That's amazing. And what, what are the most common reasons you find people reach out so far with all your the- data? The top, the top three reasons, medical reasons, why folks reach out to us is gastrointestinal disease, skin problems, and urinary. Those are top three. I would say four and five are hospice care and behavioral stuff. So that's, that's what we tend to see. Um, we are up to 27, 28 different animal types. By far, the most common are dogs and cats. They make up together around 80%. After that is poultry and rabbits. Those are just what's common. <laughs> That's what we're seeing, but everything from squirrels to fish to horses, we've seen it. Um, and, and coming from about 13 or 14 different countries, mostly U.S. and Canada, but we've had Germany, Portugal, Lebanon, Australia. Have you heard of Vet2Pet? It's the only customizable all-in-one client engagement and communication platform in veterinary medicine. Vet2Pet's loyalty program is proven to increase practice revenue. And their robust reminders mean that practices can stop paying for multiple communication platforms. Vet2Pet manages it all. Visit vet2pet.com forward slash ivetsohard. That's vet2pet.com forward slash ivetsohard. My veterinarians that work for vet triage, again, we did not even, we've never asked for um, resumes. Vets just started looking for this because the culture sucks. And so they started looking for other ways to practice medicine and telemedicine was an obvious next step, especially with the pandemic. And so they'll reach out to us unsolicited. There's, hey, are you guys hiring? So I'm slow to hire. I want veterinarians who are experienced, who can communicate well know what to do over a video landscape, which not all of them will, but I'll train them. And, and they're, they're, they're comfortable with this type of medium. Understanding our, our, our overarching goal, improve the culture, spearhead a telemedicine movement, increase access to care. How does a practice get started with vet triage if they're interested? I mean, this sounds amazing to me, honestly, you guys. Like, I'm slammed, I'm busy, I can't see everybody. I feel like if I were to 
utilized vet triage, I would almost have like an extra extension of my practice available to me to be sort of like an air traffic controller to help me manage the incomings and divert. Like this would be a different scenario if I was bored. If I didn't have enough to do every day and I was twiddling my thumbs, wondering like, well, I guess I'll go out for another two hour lunch break again today. I guess I'll take a nap this afternoon and wait for another appointment to Has show that up. Has ever happened? Have you ever had a nap or a two hour lunch as a veterinarian? I just uh, no. Yeah. I, so I, okay, yeah. But if you are that way, then you do not need vet triage. But if you are the opposite, where you haven't eaten a full meal, uh, you only go to the bathroom uh, once a day, like these kinds of things, how does the practice get started? So they reach out to us through the website. Our contact information is there and um, I'll contact them. We'll go over what the details are, what we're trying to accomplish as a company, and then describe them the process of, of being a partner, which includes they would we would create a landing page for them. They can put on their website a triage logo under their either emergency column or after hours page or whatever it is they have on their on their individual website. Their clients can then click on that through the website and go to vet triage. It'll be all, it'll be branded with that hospital logo. So as you said, they'll appear as an extension of the facility, which is really what we are. On top of that, we also will have them create a protocol that will be embedded in our system. So when a client does come to vet triage through the landing page, that protocol will pop up for my veterinarians. They'll know how that hospital wants us to handle emergencies. Where do we send them or who's on call? And where, where can we, what email can we send the medical notes to? Um, does, does the emergency hospital uh, down the street see exotics or not? What do we do with those cases? Um, what if there's a pet that was found? How do we want us to operate? You know, things like that. And so they'll create a customized protocol that'll be embedded in our system as well. And then third, we'll create flyers for the facility, flyers that are digital. They can email them to folks add it to their social media, put it in newsletters, print them, hand it out, check out, put it in puppy and kitten kits. However you see it of use, they can, they can, they can disperse it. And like I said, all that setup is free for clinics. Uh, clinics, hospitals, organizations like this should not be paying for this service. It's, it's the client's pet. It's the responsibility to take care of that pet. There's no need. There's no need. I, I see no need why a clinic or an organization should take on that financial burden to utilize our services. We're trying to improve veterinary culture and it does not mean giving them another bill to pay. So all that all that construct is free for the, the clinics or rescues or academia to utilize us. Shadi, that sounds awesome. So it sounds like you're working with both large and smaller practices and you mostly talk to practice managers, but probably owners a lot too. So if, if our listeners are, are thinking, hey, you know, maybe this is something that I should consider. If there's somebody that's thinking about adding in some sort of triage service, yours or another one, hopefully yours, uh, what's the what's the one thing they should really think about first? They should think about what is the biggest challenge they have in their day-to-day function? What is their challenge really? Is it that daytime they're just getting killed with walk-ins? Because we can help, we can help with that. We'll customize protocols for that service. Are they on call and sick of getting 30 phone calls a night with with zero or maybe one being an actual emergency, they should use us. Get rid of the answering service and use vet triage, right? So what is the largest obstacle you're trying to to solve here? Are you a a large 24-7 emergency hospital with six, eight, 72-hour wait times, which which has been happening? 
You want to cut down those wait times, that triage. And we'll make sure to cut down those times for you by allowing, by, by having you see just those cases that really need to be seen by an emergency clinic. Um, so what's, so the question to ask yourself as an organization is what problem are you trying to solve? And if that's the, if that's the case, if you know what your biggest obstacle is to moving forward, to keep your staff happy, to, to make sure that your, your medical care is up to par with your standards, vet triage, and then we'll figure out the solution to that, to that obstacle. Great. I don't see a negative here at all. Honestly, the practice doesn't have to pay anything. The pet owner, if they want to get information, they can go ahead and initiate a case off their web browser and they talk to a intermediary veterinarian and they help get redirected more appropriately. And that helps everybody. So a fantastic idea. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to ask you a question now that everybody asks me. Sure. Do you miss practicing veterinary medicine? Do you miss doing surgery? I don't. <laughs> I have the same answer. I do not. And, 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 I'll, and I'll say, I mean, I mean, some of it is I've done all the cool surgeries I wanted to do. You know, open, open chest surgery, spinal surgery. I've done it all. Very cool. A lot of fun. There's a lot of stress associated with that from client expectations to patient outcome to the cost associated with it, all that stuff, you know, but over time in seeing how things have been going with our profession and having always had a strong proclivity towards academia, teaching young people, any aspect of veterinary medicine they want to learn, whether it's medical or, or more managerial or whatever it may be. I, I'm realizing that my love for academia, which has always been there, I can combine it with a, a sort of a next stage in my professional life. And this seems to be a really cool way to do that. We can spearhead a movement, telemedicine, right? Try and sort of show the community what we believe the gold standard should be. Use my clinical experience, my managerial experience with that. Teach young people, educate the pet parents out there. It's 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 a win for everybody. Um, otherwise, what else are you doing if you if you're not going to be able to challenge yourself with a whole new stepping stone in your career? I think that might be spoken like a true surgeon. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Well, so great to meet with you. Thank you for taking the time today to talk to Caitlin and I about vet triage. It's our pleasure to get to know you. And guys, be sure to check it out. It's vettriage.com. V E T. T-R-I-A-G-E, just like it sounds, vettriage.com. Learn more about it there. Reach out to Dr. Shadi, get a demo, check it out, sign up. You'll be rocking and rolling before you know it. Thanks for listening to this episode of I Vet So Hard, and we hope to see you again next week. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of I Vet So Hard. Don't forget to head over to ibetsohard.com to download our top five takeaways from this episode. We'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week. Until then, here's to putting your technology to work for your practice.